This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Um, and my subject tonight, we're going to talk about authority in God's house. Um, I don't have really a title here, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you right off the bat what uh, what our objectives are. And before I do, let me let me reiterate something that uh, was said in the previous t- previous teaching. When we're talking about authority, keep in mind that it's all about God's house. It is all about God's house, and His house is established with His authority. There is none greater than who He is. So keep that in mind. And again, like I told you, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the three. Well, I say three. Really, it's two objectives, but I say three because it's going to be kind of a review. So my first objective here is to review what authority is. Uh, Because I I, I feel it's pertinent that we have a quick review of some of the things Minister Martin said. So all these things that we teach in the uh, the teachings tonight and next week and the ones that follow, they're all lined up. So I think it's pertinent that we keep these things on our mind. That's why it was an introduction to authority in God's house. Uh, And number two, my objective is to learn when was authority set up by God? And then number three, to learn why authority was set up. And Minister Martin touched on this as well, but we're going to we'll dig a little bit deeper, deeper into this as well. He, he kind of skimmed the surface because he really just wanted to give an uh, introduction. But we're going to discuss it, you know, why authority was set up. Why is, it, why is it important? Because, you know, authority is a principle of God, and God doesn't do anything by happenstance. There's always purpose in things that he does. So again, we're going to learn what authority is. We're going to learn when it was set up by God and to learn why authority was set up and why it's important. <clears throat> and so we'll just start off here, you know, with what is authority, the quick review uh, of what Minister Martin was teaching on. And first and foremost, I'll say it again, authority is power. Authority, true authority, the authority, has the final say. And we found out at, at, in uh, Minister Martin's teaching that God is the authority. And I love how he breaks it down using the scriptures, because there are two types of authority. And the first one that he touched on was exousia. And we saw what that meant. That meant that you have the right to rule, the right to control, right? The right to be obeyed. You, You have the right. And then we saw that the second one was dunamis, which is the power or the might to act. You know, I have the right to, now I have the ability to, because I have the power. And we've learned that some may have the exousia, the right to act. Some may have the dunamis. The, the, the might to act, and vice versa. But we also learned that there's only one that has both, has all exousia and all dunamis. And that one is God. Like I said just a minute ago, God is the authority. Let's turn to, I, I, I can't mention this without going to the scripture, let's turn to Psalm chapter 62. And Minister Martin did take us here, and I think it's so pertinent to repeat these things again, like I said. So Psalms chapter 62. And I'm going to read verses 7 through 11. And it reads, In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength, and my my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Surely men of low degree are vanity, and men of high degree are a lie, to be laid in the balance. They are together lighter than vanity. Trust not in oppression, and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. God has spoken once. Twice have I heard this. That power belongeth to God. God has spoken once. Twice have I heard this. 
that power belongeth to God. God has all power. This power here, this encompasses, like I said, all exousia, all dunamis. And it says, he has spoken once, twice have you heard this, because his power speaks twice, right? His power says, I have the right and I have the might. So when he speaks, listen, when he speaks, he says it once because he, because he has all authority, he doesn't, need to, he doesn't need to give you the details. I have the right and I have the might to get it done. He is all authority, all exousia, all dunamis. I want you to get that. All of that belongs to him. He doesn't have to run his decisions by anyone else. He, is, he has the final say. When God speaks, we hear because he has the right to act. We hear because he has the might to get it done. God has, and listen, he has all authority whether you acknowledge it or not. There's no one that can take that from him. There's no one that is greater than who God is. So the question, instead of what is authority, it should be who is authority. And like, like we've been saying, God is the authority. And, and I'm gonna, we're going to ex, uh, explore this a little bit more, right? Because certain people have to know, besides him being the creator, what makes God the authority. And I, and, and I kind of hinted to this earlier. His throne is established on his own authority. And I'll tell you what that means. His throne is established upon the fact that there's no one greater than him. He establishes, he, he does all the work. I'll show you what I mean. Turn to Hebrews chapter 1, and I believe Minister Martin went here as well. But he does all the work. See, see, he's going to establish his throne. It's about the house of God. The house of God will be established. So what he does is he says, you know what? As the authority, because I'm establishing my throne with my own authority, I'm going to do all of the work. Hebrews chapter, Hebrews chapter 1, and I'm going to read, oh, this, this is one of those verses that kind of, kind of show up in this Bible. But okay, Hebrews chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. It says, God, who at sundry times in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the, exp- the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. See, in the Old Testament, God would dwell, he would dwell in the, ta- the tabernacle and the Spirit of the Lord would come upon people. In the New Testament, Christ came down and did it himself. And now, his Spirit dwells, Christ sends his Spirit to us to do what? To do God's will. See, this, this is what I want you to understand. In each of those dispensations, it's still God doing all the work. The reason that his Spirit is coming to you is because he's done the work. See, he establishes, don't get it twisted. God is the authority. And that you, he has the might. He's, listen, he is giving you the might. He is, he, is, he is, what's the word, making a steward of his might, of his right in certain areas. But he established his throne on his own. So, you know, when you uh, lead somebody to Christ, don't start feeling yourself. That's God establishing his throne. That's why he has all authority. That's his spirit in you. And it's like I said, it's been the same for every, every dispensation. It's been the same from the very beginning. God establishing his throne with the works of look, The works that he used to establish his throne, his throne comes straight from the throne. 
straight from the throne room of God. Because he has all authority. He has all power. He has the right and the might to get it done. That's why in the, in the scriptures, in scriptures, uh, I believe it's in Hebrews, it says, it says, when God made a promise to Abraham, he swore by himself. Because there's no one greater that I can swear by. He is the authority. He swore by himself for our salvation. See, I want, I want you to understand that. Authority is for our salvation. Authority is for our restoration. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself because we said, why is it so important? But let me tell you from the jump, it's for our restoration. So God's authority represents himself. That means any of his delegated authority represents his power. Represents his authority. And sinning, sinning against God's authority is sinning against God himself. God's delegated authority is sinning against God himself. Turn to Romans chapter 13. We're almost out of this review here, but like I said, it's pertinent that we, we be reminded of some of these things here. Romans chapter 13. And I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. It says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Now, there's a few words that, I, that stuck out here, and they're going to they're gonna keep ringing through this whole teaching. One of the words is ordained, right? And I, and, I, and, and I want you to understand the power. Again, we're talking about power. We're talking about the authority, authorities of God. But a word that stuck out here was ordained. And it's a simple definition. Ordained means to arrange in an orderly or divine manner. And then if you look later, it says, Whosoever resisteth the ordinance, the divine arrangement, you put yourself, you put yourself at odds with God. So, so this is what you, what you need to understand. God's powers... These are a divine and orderly arrangement that he has set up. His authority is a divine and orderly arrangement. You need to put your... That's why it says be subject. Put yourself under the authority that God has arranged. That the, the divine and orderly arrangement that God has put forth. Put yourself under that. Because whoever resists God's orderly arrangement, you're resisting God himself. So understand, God has arranged the divine and orderly system to govern, govern our lives by. Again, that is authority. It's put in place so that we can, we can function according to his purpose. And again, that's, 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 the, system, that's the system of authority. I, I love it. Again, I have to say it like Minister Martin said. It's all about God's house. <laughs> he put this system in place. Because, look, God's house was his plan all along. Why do you think the, that the, the lamb was slain before the foundations of the earth? before the foundation of the world. It was his plan all along. So let's go ahead and move forward here. When was authority set up by God? And we've kind of mentioned a little bit, and uh, you know, a lot of people want to say, at the very beginning, but I'm here to tell you it was before the beginning. See, beginning, beginning in my mind denotes time, right? And what is time to somebody who lives in eternity? Right, so the beginning, he's, he's before time. There is no start. He's before time, so it was before the beginning when this was. Because God, listen, God didn't wait until time. Because time started for people who measure time. That's us. God, listen, God doesn't measure time. 
Time started, time started for the people who measure time. So he's before that. He, he created time. He started time. In the, before the beginning. So when was the authority set up by God? Let's turn to Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to do a little scripture hopping just a little bit. And of course, you know, we, we mentioned the beginning. We are going to go to Genesis. So, you know, just be prepared for that. We're going to go to the beginning because, again, it was set up for the, from the beginning and there's a purpose. So Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 through 20. And I, I'm, all this is going to do is confirm what I said. that the set, These seven characteristics that I'm about to read of Christ are just going to confirm that before the beginning of time, before the foundation of the world, this system was set up. So verse 12. It says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the Satan light who have delivered us from the power of darkness and have translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Verse 15, who is the image of the invisible God. That's the first characteristic. He's the representation and the manifestation or likeness of the invisible God. A perfect, that's why I said in, it said in, in Hebrews 1, he's the express image of God. That's his first characteristic. And, and listen, <laughs> Like we said, God is the authority. See, we're, all we're doing right now is backing up. When was authority set up by God? Then it says in verse 15, he's the firstborn of every creature. See, his, his supremacy and his relationship to God is shown in, his, is shown in, in, in creation. He's the for, firstborn over all creation. That means, that means I was here before it, and I'm sovereign over it. You see, firstborn over all, over all creation. That means I was here before it, because if you didn't know God, Jesus is God, and God is, he's the creator. So, so he has priority in time to creation and in rank. He's sovereign over all of it. And then verse 16, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, invisible Visible and in, invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. He's, he is the creator of the universe. All things were created by him. Whether it be powers, authorities, th listen, all these things were created by him. Before, Listen, he's the creator of the universe. Uh, he's not the only one who... Th who by whom all things came to be, but he upholds it by the word of his power. All things consist because of him. The son, you know, Jesus Christ, he was the master workman in creation. Before, listen, and we're going to get there, right, because we, we talk about creation, and you've got to read the scriptures carefully. You really do. And I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but we talk about creation and we think immediately, you know, we're talking about starting at day one. Day one through day, through day six. Well, read, read, read the scriptures though. Because day, day one doesn't start in verse one where it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. But we'll get there. And then, okay, so verse 17. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And I said that. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. So he's the head of the church. 
He's the firstborn from the dead. He's the firstborn to rise with an immortal body. And not only that, with an immortal body, never to die again. People say, well, well didn't, didn't, didn't Lazarus rise? Yes. But he's the firstborn to rise, never to die again. You know why? Because he's the authority. He has the right. God has the right. God has the might. And, 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 and listen, don't get confused about the, the Godhead, and we'll, we'll touch on that again as well. But understand this. Jesus is God. Jesus is the creator. And he was there before the foundations of the world. In him, all fullness will. The fullness of the Godhead. Complete in him. Verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning. The firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. And having made peace to... And for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of the cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. So from this passage of scripture, there's one thing that I want you to see. That Christ has preeminence in all. He's first in all. Listen, he was there from the beginning. Remember I told you God has a divine order or, or divine arrangement of things. And if we hear his voice, we know that he desires, he desires that everything in our lives to be headed up by Christ Jesus. And, and there is a rebellion. There, there is a... There are those that are opposed to God's divine, divine order. And it's all because of what happened in the beginning. Because of his authority in the beginning and the fall of man in creation. There are those that are opposed to it. But according to God's arrangement, the reestablishment of order in the universe is centered on the relationship between Christ and his church. He's head over all things to the body. He's the authority over all things to the body. He's to be preeminent. The working out of God's will will be seen through following of authority and submission. Following of Christ's authority and submission within his body. Then we'll see his divine will done. Again, it's, it's all about the house of God. So let's look at the beginning. Because if you, if you look at God's authority and creation, it'll lead us all the way to Jesus Christ. So let's turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, and we're just going to start from the very beginning. It says, in the beginning, God, I have to stop right there. Because I had to look at that word God, right? I wanted, to, I wanted to verify some things. So that word God there, and it's actually through this whole first chapter, is Elohim. Now, El of that word means the strong and mighty God. And Elohim it's the plurality of God. So what it's saying here is we have one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the beginning, that's the God that's there. One God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Elohim. And it said in the beginning, God created. That, that means, it wasn't like, I don't want you to think that God got there and was like, whew. 
Look at here. Something's going on. I, I need to work on this. No, no, no. God created it out of nothing. Because he has the right and he has the might to get it done. In the beginning, God created. I want you to understand that. In the beginning, and God, listen, it was, it was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. There was nobody else with him. I, it's not lost on me that God waited until, you know, the last of creation to make man. I don't, I don't want no mistakes. Didn't nobody help me with this. I'm alone the creator. I alone have the power. Don't get it twisted. He's the creator. It's him alone. His power and his authority are excellent. Nobody else sits in that spot. So in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, and this is what I was talking about, starting in verse 2, that sounds like, you know, there was a creation, well, in verse 1 already, he already created in the beginning. And then verse 2 says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, I'm going to tell you why, you know, I believe that, you know, creation started before there were, well, see, the first day, one through six, this is talking about the generation of man, but I'm going to tell you why the creation started before that, right? It says it was without form or void. Now, I had to look at the original text for this. I went, I, I, you know, let me see what these mean in Hebrew. So I looked up the words without form, or the phrase without form. And the Hebrew word for this phrase is tohu, which means to lie in waste, a desolation, to be in confusion, a worthless thing. And void, the Hebrew word, is bohu, which means indistinguishable ruin, full of emptiness. So it says, in the beginning, it says, and the earth was desolate, full of confusion, and emptiness. Now let me tell you something. That don't sound like my God. Desolate, full of confusion, something. Now, I'm not going to say exactly what happened, but something happened from verse 1 to verse 2. They left the earth without form, left the earth without void, left it void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. Now darkness here, when I looked it up, it, it's, it's amazing that the, see that's why you have to, listen, if you, if you want to know, take the time and study. God is willing to show you, right? That word darkness means something, because you think darkness, you think, oh, it's just, you can't see. But this darkness here, when I looked it up, it means misery, destruction, Death, sorrow, wickedness. And it, it's, it's, it, didn't, it didn't fall flat on me that that's the condition of our souls before we meet God. <laughs> before his authority is introduced in our lives. Without form and void, tohu and bohu, desolate, empty. That's the, and that's when it clicked in my mind. I said, oh. God, your authority from the beginning is about your restoration. <laughs> it's about you bringing us back to where you need, it, where you want us to be. Just like, just like what's about to, just like the, he saw the earth was without form of void because he already created. It's about his restoration. Turn to Jeremiah real quick, because you know I hear some of y'all. Turn to Jeremiah chapter four. Jeremiah chapter 4, 
And I think I'm going to start at verse 20, 23. And it says, I beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form and void, and the heavens, and they had no light. I beheld the mountains, and lo, they trembled, and all the hills moved lightly. I beheld, I beheld, and lo, there was no man, and all the birds of the heavens were fled. See, see, if you're listening, it's talking, it's talking about the state of the earth before, right, when, when it was created, but it's talking about our souls. Listen with your spiritual ear. I beheld, and lo, the fruitful place was a wilderness, and all the cities there were, of war were broken down at the presence of the Lord, and by, by his fierce anger. For thus hath the Lord said, the whole land shall be desolate, yet I will not make, yet will I not make a full end. For this shall the earth mourn, and the heavens above be black, because I have spoken it. I have purposed it, and will not repent, neither will I return, turn back from it. See, it sounds like without, it sounds like tohu and bohu, right? The heavens were black, it was, it was darkness. So I want you to understand, he's talking about the people of Israel, but he's comparing it to the, he's comparing it to the beginning. So, in the beginning, go ahead and turn back to Genesis. There was nothing to see but tohu and bohu. Confusion. Emptiness. In the beginning, and I say in the beginning, like I said, the generation of men. In the beginning of our creation. But there was nothing to see. Desolation, confusion, emptiness. And like I said, that represents our souls. The states of our souls before we found Christ. A lost soul. And then it says, let me get back there. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. See, let me tell you something about an authority. Authority initiates. Authority is the first to move. Why? Because he has the right to. And it has the might to. Authority initiates. He has all power. He, listen, guess what he's initiating here? Restoration. <laughs> He's initiating restoration here. Like I said, the Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. He's initiating it. Our restoration. By His authority. By the word of His power. You know, I, can, I think about the earth being... You know, without form and without born and void. And I think of these. I think of the scripture. Can these bones live again? Yeah, yes, they can if the spirit of God enters into it. If the life of God is breathed into it. Understand this: God is not only the creator of life, but He's the giver of all life. Of all life. Listen, dead things like us, we'd be dead forever if He didn't quicken us with His power, His authority. That, that same authority which brought such a, the, the world out of its state of confusion, of its tohu and bohu, brings our souls out of its state of confusion. Verse 3 here. And it says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. The first command God gave. And at the authority of his word, it was. That's power. See, see, the word of God is quick and powerful. 
and, and Christ is the word of God. He created light. He is, listen, he said, let there be light. He is true light. He's the light of the world. Understand this, right? Darkness would remain in the world unless God came and called, called lightness out. Y'all, y'all just missed it. You've been called out of darkness. His authority is, set, is, is here to set up his house so that we can be the light out in the darkness. That's why God initiated. He's given us his light. And verse 4 says, And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. Now, notice he didn't say the darkness was good. Just notice he didn't say the darkness was good. And and let me tell you something. Darkness doesn't affect God one way or the other. But notice he didn't say the darkness was good. He said he saw the light and that it was good. And and, and I I like that he said that it was good because he was pleased with the works of his own hands. You know why? Because he establishes his throne by his own works. His own authority. And then he did something real interesting. He made a difference between light and darkness. He divided them. It, It reminds me one of the first things that God does with authority. He sets boundaries. He separates the light from the darkness. And and, and this tells you God's heart right now. When he divides the light from the darkness, he has plans for creatures to come here. Right? (laughs) Because they need to know, these, these creatures, they need to know the difference between light and dark. They need to know the difference between good and evil. Remember, authority sets boundaries so that we might know how to act. His principle's been there from the beginning. Sets boundaries so that we can make the proper choices. And we can make the proper choices if we have those boundaries set by authority. Verse 5, And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Now, as soon as I saw that, I got pulled, I, God pulled to the scripture in my mind in 1 Thessalonians 5. It says, Ye are children of the light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, not of darkness. Do you think that God used those words by happenstance? That's why he divided the light from the darkness. Anybody who's his children, we are children of the light and of the day. First Thessalonians 5 and 5. We are children of the light, not of the night, not of the darkness. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And I love how he did that. He called from evening to morning. You know why? Because he wants that light to shine out of the darkness. 
It's not about the 24-hour period that we have our day. It's not about that. Because remember, the redemption promise is calling us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Listen, from evening to morning. From darkness to light. See, like I I said, if you haven't noticed, these six days, it's creation, but he's really speaking of restoration. He's speaking of restoration by his authority, by the works straight from his throne. All about our redemption. So, once God calls calls order and arranges and starts to set these boundaries, he then starts to focus in on the planet and the solar system. So let's go to the next verse here. Verse 6. It says, And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which are under the firmament from the waters which are above the firmament, and it was so. So he, he made space. I want you to understand that firmament, he's talking about, he's talking about space, what we call space. He called, them, he called it heaven. And God made the I'm sorry, where am I? And, the, and God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good. Now see, he, then, then he, it's amazing, right? Because like I said, it was there before. It said it in, uh, uh, which verse is that? Verse 2. It says, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of waters. The waters was, listen, it was there before her. Uh, this is just to back up, you know, for those who are like, I don't know if that's about creation. If it was before, that, it was there before. But now he's commanding the waters to, to come together. He's making seas. And he said, listen, it's amazing. Did you hear him say, and he said to the waters, you stop at that shore and don't go any further. And you go, he didn't say that. He gave one commandment because God has spoken once. And all those under his system of authority have heard this twice. All power belongs to him. I, listen, they don't need the, listen, his power is so strong that when he speaks, they hear the, listen, the waters hear the intent behind this thought process. That's power. That's authority. And why do they have to obey? Because he has the rights and the might. He has all authority. Verse 11, And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit yielding tree after its kind, whose seed is is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after its kind, and tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after its kind, and God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the third day. I I have to stop here. Because now we're talking about, right, let me explain something to you about about plants, right? So we can see God's power and his authority. The herb yielding seed and tree yielding fruit with seeds inside the fruits are decided to spread through the environment and grow into new plants. And this is called a process called seed germination. Plants reproduce eggs and sperm just like people, and, and, and then male plants that release the pollen and fertilize the ovaries. 
The fertilizer ovaries develop into seeds, which can be dis distributed to new plants. As the fertilized ovaries develop, a certain, now I'm reading straight from something, you know, I, I don't know all about this, but I'm, this is, this is for a point, okay? A surplus of carbohydrates and proteins are stored inside the seed. This serves as food for the plant until it can, until it can develop leaves. Next, the fertilized plant ovaries develop the hardened coat we see as the outside of seeds to protect them from harsh environmental conditions. Wow. The seeds then can be carried away by wind animals or animals to create new plants. After the seed has made it to a new location it's, and is covered with dirt, it can, it can begin germination. And again, that's, germination is the process of seeds developing into new plants. But again, first, environmental conditions have to trigger the seed to grow. And this is determined on how deep the seed is planted, how much water is available, and the temperature. Okay? And then when water is plentiful, it fills the seed, and it starts another process called imbibition. Right? And that water, <laughs> we're getting somewhere, trust me, that water activates, activates special proteins called enzymes. And that begins the, the seed's growth. And then it goes on to say there's another process called photomorphogenesis. And we all, these are all things about plants. And, and this is what I want you, what, what I want you to hear. And God said, let. <laughs> but did you see the process involved? See, I, don't tell me that there's not a creator. We got imbibation, uh, germination, another one of the words, photomorphogenesis. All these things. Wait, God didn't have to say these things. Begin germination. No. No. He upholds all things by the word of his power. He said, let and they understood and, and, and heard the itch. They heard this. He has the right and the might. And I know what he wants done. Let's get it done. No explanations needed. But see, did you see that? I didn't even finish the process. And all that began with just God's word. Let me tell you something. There's no such thing as Mother Nature. That's listen. People saying all this Mother. That's God's system of authority over this planet. That's what that is. And there's no such thing as Mother Nature. And Father Time, for that matter, He created time. He told time to start. And all He has to do is speak once. And listen, all of creation hears it. Oh, that's Exousia and Dunamis talking. Get to moving. Verse 14. Ooh, I'm telling you, Genesis blessed me so much. The beginning blessed me so much because it's all there at the beginning. All of it's right there at the beginning. I mean everything. Because the Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. Your redemption was there at the beginning. Verse 14. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, and the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. So we see here, he's making the sun, the moon, every single star by his word. He listened. Another one. He didn't have to go through them individually. He didn't have to say, okay, now, 
let me start and do this one. I want this one to shine here and this here. And I'll go ahead. No, God just spoke it. <laughs> See, that's, that's, that's why we say, you know, we're talking about the characteristics of, of Christ and we say his express image. We're not talking about the way we look. We're talking about who God is. In verse, let's go to verse 20, because I want to get to a, I want to get to a place. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great wells, and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind. And every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let and let fowl multiply in the earth in the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Now, on these verses here, we're seeing animals appear part of the ecosystem. And, and it's amazing to me because I'm a big animal person. Like my, when I, Not owning them, but watching it, like on National Geographic. Or, you know, I'm a big animal person. <laughs> let me clear that up, right? Um, but I'm a big animal. You know, I like to watch those nature shows and you know, there's, there's different animals, right? There's, there's animals that help keep the, the habitat clean. There's other animals. One of my favorite ones I like to watch doing like my, my, my lion shows It's called the oxpecker. And it's a little bird, and it, all it does is it's, they call it the oxpecker, but it goes from ox to giraffe to rhinos, and it does, and it helps other animals by picking off the fleas and ticks off these animals. That's all it does. Listen, we have insects that help naturally pollinate things. You know what I mean? And, and, and this is all, again, by the word of his power. <laughs> that, see, see, that's all authority. Uh, uh, and th- this, this, this came to mind because we went to see Lion King this past weekend with my wife for her birthday. But you know, Mufasa, there's that scene where he's explaining the circle of life to Simba. You know, the, we, eat the, we eat the animals and their bodies return to the ground, which nourishes the ground, and the grass comes up, which nourishes the other, the other predator, and, and that's the circle of life. No, that's the system of God's authority. That's how God has set it up. You see what he said? Re- re- be fruitful and multiply. Reproduce after. God said it. He told them and they said, oh, we'll get it done by your word. That's God's system of authority. So we have to remember all things. What did it say, Colossians? All things were created by him and for him. So all things fall under God's authority. Now we're kind of getting to where I want to get to. Verse 26, the creation of man. And God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. So, again, I have to stop. And I hope you've been following every time I said, and God said, it's talking about Elohim. And then he said it explicitly here, let us make man. He's talking about the Godhead. He's talking about the Trinity. Let us make man. In our image and after our likeness. And, you know, for those who believe that, you know, that our flesh resembles God's body, let me help you. God is spirit. He doesn't have a body like you or I do. God's image and likeness consists of who he is. Righteousness. True holiness. Who he is, not what he looks like. 
So I want you to understand, it's not our flesh that should bear God's image, it's our soul. And that soul that God gives us makes us different from any other creature. The soul consists of your understanding, your will, your ability to choose, your divine center of choice. And, you know, that divine center of choice, it could be everything for you, it could work all against you, especially in the house of God. Because submission is a choice. And in God's house, there must be submission. Understand this, when God ordains or arranges something divinely, it's sin. It's unlawful. It's lawlessness to go against it. He's the only one allowed to change anything that he puts into place. Because he has all authority. So he said, God let us... He said, God, let us make man in our image. And God said, I'm sorry. Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every, I'm sorry, and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing excuse me, that moveth upon the earth. Now, I want you to jump over to chapter 2, verse 15. And the Lord God took the man, and put him into the garden of Eden, to dress it, and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, I have to stop there. This right here is... Adam's introduction to authority. How do you know that? Because the Lord God commanded. And when God, the creator, commands, what does the creation do? It obeys. It submits and it obeys. So this is Adam's, this is his first, this is his first connection direct, direct to, to direct authority. This, his first connection to God's orderly arrangement for our lives. So at this point, Adam has relationship with God. Adam has fellowship with God. Why? Because he's submitted to his authority. What's in God's house? Relationship. Fellowship. And authority. Adam has these things now because he submitted to authority. Before the fall, guess what? Adam was there. He had relationship. He had fellowship. And I don't want you to forget... That man, the creation, is the only one that was created with that soul. <clears throat> Jump down to verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept and took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Now, I, I, I did want to show here, right, that when he took this woman in marriage, 
God didn't repeat his commandments for the wife. Now we've heard this before. God didn't repeat the commandments for the wife. As husband, Adam is now to, to lead by the command of God. God delegated the husband in authority that the family wouldn't go in different directions. The wife's place then herself is to place herself under and you and listen, under under her husband and use her strength to help him take the home in God's direction. Listen, not the husband's direction, in God's direction. Listen, that's the that's what he's teaching them here, here now. That's the order of submission. God has talked to, to Adam. Adam relays the message she should submit and help her take the home in God's direction. So, verse 1 of chapter 3. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, had God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the, the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. So we know Adam did his job, right? Because uh, he just repeated what, the command that God gave Adam. She just repeated the command God gave Adam. We shall not eat from, in, from the tree that's in the midst of the garden. So we know Adam did his job. Well, at least he told her about it. So we know that here. Let's see here. Verse 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God does not know, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of, of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her. And he did eat. Wow. So here we are. All of creation knows God has all exclusive. God, God has all dunamis. At the word of his power, we are going to get to move him. And then here comes the creation with the soul. A divine center of choice. The first one in this series of, of creation to come from under authority. Because of that divine center of choice. The only thing in creation in these six days of creation that went against God's authority. Look at verse 16 through 17 here. It says, Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and that thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And, Adam, he, and unto Adam he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow thou shalt eat of all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the, in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return into the ground. For out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. What did we say before? When God arranges a thing, it becomes unlawful for anyone to change it. God commanded something of, of, of Adam. He said, you can eat of any, any, any tree in the, in the midst of the garden. I mean, any tree in the garden except for the one in the midst of the garden.
And then, like, he, like, like, like God said in verse 16, he said, But you hearken unto the voice of thy wife. So now you're going against my command at the voice of thy wife. Unlawful. For anyone to change it but God. And because of mankind's choice choice to come from upon the submission, sin has come to this world. Listen, once again, just like at the, before creation, just like when he found Tohu and Bohu, all of creation groans. Because of mankind's sin. Mankind not submitting to God's authority. Well, Adam lost relationship. He lost fellowship because he, he didn't want authority. He didn't stay submitted to his authority. But glory to God, from the foundations of the world, God said, listen, it's about your redemption. It's about your relationship. It's about your fellowship. And I'm going to establish my kingdom by my authority. Hallelujah. The first and only creature since the six days of creation that violated God's authority. Now, now listen. I didn't say it was the first time God's creation violated his authority. There is an origin of rebellion and sin against God. That's why God said, when he, when he was restored, he said, let there be light and divide that darkness from that light. Turn to Ezekiel chapter 28. Because I want you to see the correlation, right? There's a, the principle that operates against authority is the principle of rebellion. And the principle of, principle of rebellion is what gives rise to sin. Ezekiel chapter 28. I'm going to start at verse 12. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sellest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, topaz, and the diamond. The beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, the, and gold, the workmanship of thy tablets and of thy, of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covers, and I have set, set thee so, thou wast upon, set thee so, thou wast, the, wast upon the holy mountain of God. Now, I want you who, want to know who he's talking about right now, right now, the anointed cherub. He's talking about, well, he was the anointed cherub. He's talking about Satan. Talking about Lucifer. He was the anointed cherub. Lucifer. So thou art the anointed cherub that covers. And I have, I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created, till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. And thou hast sinned. See, this, this right here is showing, this is showing his sin right now. This is showing Satan's sin. Now, I'm going to show you, 
the rise to his sin, his rebellion. Turn to Isaiah chapter 14. Because, like I said, sin is a matter of, of conduct and behavior, but, but rebellion, that's a matter of principle. I, I'm going against somebody's principle. Because, and and why, would, why would Satan have his own principle? Because he's, he's trying to establish his throne. So let's turn to, yes, Isaiah. Wait one second. Chapter 14. Yes. Let me get there. Chapter 14. And we're going to start at verse 9. And it reads, Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. It stirreth up the dead for thee, even all the chieftains of the earth. It hath raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations. All they shall speak and say unto thee, Art thou also become weak as we? Art thou become like unto us? Thy pomp is brought down to the grave. In the noise of thy vials, the worm is spread under thee, and the worms cover thee. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weak at the nation? For thou hast said in thy heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the, the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like Most High. That's Satan's rebellion against authority. It, it wasn't Satan's father caused sin. It was his rebellion. He said this. This is what condemned him when he said, I will be like the Most High. But there's none greater than the Most High. None has the authority but God. It gave rise to sin when he said, I will be like the Most High. Now turn back to Genesis chapter 3, because what did he say to Eve? He said, you will be as gods. <laughs> that principle, you will be as gods. But God is the creator. So what was that principle? To rebel. Rebel against that authority, because you will be as gods. Just like me. Selling, hey, I'm going to use some of our vernacular growing up. He's selling wolf tickets. That's what the enemy's doing. Rebelling, you trying to be God, that gives rise to sin. It's when you place yourself in the position that God's in. The one with all authority. The one with the right to act. The one with the might to act. That's what, the, that's, what the de- that's what Satan tried to do. He tried to exalt himself. It's coming from up under submission. Coming from up under authority. Listen, if, if you want to serve God, we, we can never violate his authority. When you violate God's authority, you follow the principle of Satan. Rebellion. Uh, you're trying to do what he did. You know, you will be as God, you're trying to establish your own throne. Exalting yourself against the knowledge of God. 
This is why you must have a cover. And I love how I love how Minister Martin mentioned that. You have to follow the order in God's house. Submission to authority, God's line of authority, is the highest place of service to God. That's why, like, like he was saying, if, if you're not covered, if you listen to those who aren't covered, it's so dangerous. Uncovered means you're going against the arrangement of God. So you should never listen to somebody who's living under the principle of Satan. Even if the words coming out of their mouth is true. Even if the words coming out of their mouth is biblical. But they're living under that principle of rebellion, you know, feeling like I can live, I can walk this walk with God any way I want to. You're, you're not submitted. Thinking you can thinking they can do they're doing the Lord's work just because they can repeat a scripture, but aren't submitted to Him. Remember, He establishes His throne with the works of His own hands. Rebellion is a work of man's hands, not God's. It's the principle of Satan. Trying to build your, establish your own throne. I, I think of Psalm 127. You try to build your own house, but except the Lord build it, it's in vain. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to finish with this. I want you to understand this as well. You know, while we're talking about this, Satan is not afraid of anybody preaching the words of Christ. He could he could say some of the words of Christ. He's afraid of you submitting to the will of Christ. He's afraid of you lining up under his system of authority. Because then, when you preach, listen, there's gonna be it's gonna make a difference. Because then, God's doing all the work. That's why He told us cease from our own works. When you submit it to Christ, then God is doing all the work. And I w- I'm, I'm just going to read the scripture one more time. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive themselves damnation. And we will pick up there next week. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.